0: It is September 10th in the year of our Lord, 2020, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be kicking off and playing football in less than 48 hours. I would like to be the first to welcome you to the first edition of the Bald, Bold, and Gold podcast. My name is Alex Donovan, and I am joined by my two good friends and co-hosts, Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. Before we get to introductions, you're probably wondering why we picked this name. Well, we're three recent Notre Dame grads. We just graduated in May, the class of 2020. And this summer, we've had a good amount of free time before we started work. And by putting our heads together, we, just like basically every other 20-something out there, we decided to start a podcast. And we want to talk about something that we know and that we love and have a passion for. For us, that's Notre Dame football. That's where the gold comes from, you know, shiny good gold hats, all that. We're not going to pretend to be top-notch analysts or members of the media with 40 years of credentials. We're passionate. We bleed blue and gold, and we're not going to hold back on our tapes about the Fighting Irish. Hence, bold. And, uh, bald, well, if you're listening to this, you probably know me. And if you know me well, you know that over the last few years, I've been afflicted by a uh, medical medical condition, and I want to use this podcast as a platform to raise awareness for this. And the medical condition that I want to raise awareness for is aggressive early onset male pattern baldness. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get this thing started. Let's meet the, uh, the other co-hosts here.
1: Uh, my name is is one of them, one of the co-hosts my name is tom slevin i'm a like donna like alex mentioned a 2020 graduate uh, from notre dame i'll call you donna 2020 graduate from notre dame uh from new york but now living and working in boston um i think one of the major reasons uh that i'm a notre dame fan uh besides being a graduate is i grew up watching notre dame nine months a year uh as a kid growing up in an irish catholic family i think we had the uh it wasn't a Saturday Notre Dame game that we missed for the fall. There wasn't a single biggie scheme for basketball during the year that we missed. And certainly wasn't any lacrosse missed in the, in the spring either. Um, just growing up watching, watching, watching the gold hats, every chance I could. Um, it was a no brainer when I finally got the chance to, to make it to Notre Dame, that that that, that's where I was going to go. And that's where, that's where my fandom would continue. Um, and then kind of the reason I'm doing the podcast is I think it's, uh, just with everything going on in the world, like Don- like Dono mentioned, um, in the world of quarantine that we are, we don't get to see. Uh, I won't get to see my classmates, my friends as much. Um, and my favorite thing to do with them is to talk football, uh, especially Notre Dame football. So I think this this is like the perfect platform, perfect perfect avenue uh, for me to get to do something that I love with my friends, which is chop it up about about the gold hats and 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 keep keep that conversation going with them.
2: Thanks, Lev. Um, I am your third co-host, Ian Waller. Uh, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, um, I had just just a few family members go to Notre Dame through the years. Um, so I grew up grew up a fan my whole life. Uh, loved watching them. Um, why I'm passionate about this team. Um, I worked a couple years for the team. Um, I'm not saying correlation always equals causation, but I worked sophomore and junior year, which was our ten and three season, and then our college football playoff season. So. It's pretty blasphemous for me when people suggest that a uh, lowly student analyst such as myself didn't make the difference that I did with that team. But um, <laughs> I really feel that I turned this program around from our four and eight freshman year season um, to where we are now. And any suggestion that I wasn't a large, if not the main role of that happening um, is pretty offensive to me. Uh, so I'm here to defend all of those, those takes and, and see this program through um, for the next 50 years. And the reason I'm doing this podcast is um, I don't think there's enough podcasts in the world. Um, I don't think it's a really saturated market. I think, uh, especially Notre Dame podcast, nobody's really doing that. Um, so I'm here to make. I'm here to get rich, you know, just get 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 get, a big problem, get my takes out there and get rich. Um, and you guys are lucky to be the the first step of that. So thanks for listening.
0: Yeah. So to the hundreds of thousands of you out there listening to this. I guess we'll circle back to my introduction here because I'm a little different than these guys. I did not grow up really a Notre Dame fan. I grew up in the Irish Catholic family, so Notre Dame always had a special place, I guess, with the rest of my family. But it wasn't until I stepped on campus, the first college football game I ever attended was Notre Dame against Nevada in 2016, and I thought Deshaun Kaiser was maybe when the Heisman go number one overall after that game. Obviously. Things didn't work out that way, but over the course of my four years at Notre Dame, it was Notre Dame football is a drug and I couldn't get enough of it. I spent so many hours that I should have been studying, looking at message boards online, following recruiting, following the players, basically trying to consume as much information as I possibly could. And this summer after we all graduated, I think, we all had a period of boredom there. And for me, I feel that by working for the gracious employer DoorDash and basically yeah, my full time job over the last few months because I don't start real work yet. And when you're in the car alone for six to seven hours a day listening to podcasts, I think you're not
2: alone, dude. You have food with you.
0: Yeah, that's cool. My <laughs> car is every day. But you get used to, listen to them and you think, you know, why couldn't I do this? So that's basically how this podcast came around. It's been in the works for about a month and a half or a few months now. We've been planning for this initial release before the first game and I think we're really excited for it. We're really excited to bring this to you guys, the hundreds of thousands of you out there and get rich. So moving forward, let's talk some Notre Dame football. Washington football about last year? 11-2. I think we can all agree that it's the definition of a good, not great season and, and Notre Dame fans from you now, if you said, yeah, we'll go 11 and two and be ranked, you know, outside the top 15 all year, 10 years ago, they would have said, you oh, know, that's awesome. 11 wins against our schedule. But over the last few years we became accustomed to thinking, you know, last year, well, it wasn't a disappointment. There was a lot left on the table.
2: Yeah, I think the thing about it for me was, yes, there were a lot of highs. There was 11 wins, which each one of those should be a high. Um, some stand out more than most, but the lows were extremely low. Um, from just as a team standpoint um, to where it looked in, in the overall spectrum of history and from a personal standpoint, um, it was just another one of those years where it felt like we just couldn't get over the hump. Um, Brian Kelly couldn't win big games on the road. It was just the same stories over and over again, even though we looked like an elite program most weeks. Even even in that loss against Georgia, I think we looked like an elite program. Um the low against Michigan, that that really hurt. And there, it's just games like that when you're not in a conference, you just you just have to win. And that's why I feel like I'm coming off of that season and into this season a little unhappy and and ready to to make it right. And I feel like this team can do it.
1: Yeah, I think we just as a fan base as you guys both mentioned we just hold ourselves we hold our football team to a, to a higher standard um, than maybe we have in the past and I think that's a really good thing. I think you, I think we should we demand we deserve excellence and I think that most of the time the guys and guys in gold and blue do a very good job of, of, of doing that. but um, it, there's the huge black eye of, of going up to Ann Arbor and getting your doors blown off um, basically two or three drives into the game. Uh, it puts a real damper on the whole season. It's a rivalry game and it and more likely than not cost you uh, cost you a spot at least in New York six, New Year six bowl if not uh, if not the playoff. So I think there's it just became a very tough pill to swallow, knowing how good this team was, um, how well they closed the schedule out, um, how tightly they played a really good Georgia team. Um, and, to, and to flounder like that uh, against Michigan kind of put a damper on things. But with that said, still very excited um, to move forward uh, with it with a pretty loaded roster, uh, returning returning a lot uh, in for the 2020 campaign. Yeah, with that being said,
0: let's make a commitment until 2034, 2035, 2033. I don't know exactly when the next time we'll play Michigan is set somewhere but let's try to never mention Ann Arbor until again I think we can all say that was by far the worst game day experience of our four years in college but like you said Tom you know there are a bunch of players coming back for Notre Dame that give us some excitement for this upcoming season you know there are losses of course Chase Claypool is going to have a great NFL career Julian Quara and Khalid Kareem were you know, stalwarts at defensive end. Alohi was an emotional leader on the back end. But there's a lot to be excited for, and I think that starts with the quarterback position. You know, what do you guys think about Ian Book?
2: I, I'm excited about Ian Book. Um, physically, again, he's not hes not Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to excite us with his arm or with his legs. He's nothing that's, you know, a generational talent. But he's a guy that stands out to me that he's improved every single year, which which leads me to think that he's going to improve again this year. Um, he's, I mean, from what we've seen, he's just—he's always been driven, and he wants to get better. And he's got—he's got a great mindset um, as as a quarterback and a leader of this team. There are some things I would like to see him improve with. Um, I'm probably overly confident because I think Tommy Reese is an absolute savior, and everything he does. That Tommy Reese at the OC helm is just going to understand him and and help him get over those things. Primarily, I think he's a little jittery in the pocket. Sometimes and I'd like to see him stay in there a little bit longer, which he did better last year um, before dipping out of there and and escaping trouble. But I want to see his accuracy be, be almost automatic, especially on those short and intermediate routes. I don't, I don't want to see him missing his receivers across the field, um, forcing unnecessary drops, forcing unnecessary turnovers, but I'm really excited about Ian book. He just, he's just somebody that like, it's so, it's so calming going into a season with somebody like that at the helm, knowing that he's going to just have full control over the offense and get the most out of every player around him, which is kind of what we need right now, this season more than ever, especially.
1: For sure, yeah. I think I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with uh, with everything that Ian just said. Uh, I'm going to go full optimistic. Uh, September Notre Dame fan here. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to see Ian Buck out there uh, slinging the slinging the rock around. Um, I think he's got a really talented offensive line that's going to give him plenty of time to throw the ball. He's got a really talented backfield that should balance things out, maybe more so than they have in past years. Um, and I think that he does have some guys, some receivers, that uh, once we find out who the alpha in that receiving core is, I think he's going to have some targets to throw to. It uh, kind of remains to be seen who it's going to be, uh, but I, I'm really excited to watch Ian, rock sling the ro- excuse me, Ian Book sling the rock uh, for the next few months here uh, in the blue and gold.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I agree with everything you guys said. I think we know basically what we're getting in Ian Book. He's the typical high ceiling low floor kind of player or sorry high floor low ceiling totally messed that up but the biggest thing i want to see out of ian this year you know we're not going to see him improve a ton physically you know putting on 20 pounds isn't going to help him the way he plays we just need him to be pretty mobile extend plays maybe move the pocket left and right but the biggest thing I want to see out of Ian is mental. And I think we started to see it in the Virginia Tech game last year is we need Ian Book to be the dog of the offense. There's no guys coming back, at least at the skill positions, that can say, you know, I'm the top dog. You know, Maybe last year you had Chase Claypool, and the year before that, Ian Book didn't even start to begin the year. And I think Ian Book needs to truly take command of the offense. You know, there are many times on – Third and seven, third and log, even on first downs, he looks at his first option, no one's open, okay, lob it up to Claypool.
1: Right.
0: Uh, Chase Claypool made a ton of plays on those balls. It's, it, he was a special player. But we need, I think, to be successful this year and to truly make a run at the college football playoff ACC championship, which is a weird goal to say. Ian Book needs to be a dog. He needs to make plays on third and 10. His first option's covered. Look, maybe his second option's covered. Break the pocket, break a tackle, first down Irish. Or maybe it's taking a shot, you know, a post route. Put the receiver. Maybe, you know, Braden Lenz, he's probably faster than the DB that's covering. Make that deep ball 40 yards downfield. Maybe it's coming right after a turnover. You're taking a shot. It's a huge momentum swing. Ian Book needs to mentally, I think, take that next step to be a dog to make the plays that really hurt the psyche of an opponent maybe more than just simple yards gained. It's those huge plays that will drain the defense, extend a drive, score a touchdown when you're up seven with four minutes left to put a game away, things like that. Just carry the offense. He needs to be the leader of this team, I think. But he's going to need help from the players around him. You know, We lose a lot, I think, at the wide receiver and running back positions, as we mentioned. But what do you guys think about you know, who's going to be coming back. We have pretty deep backfield receivers are kind of unproven, but what do you guys think we'll see there?
2: Yeah. Just like a a quick rundown at the skill position. Like you mentioned, we lose that, we lose that chase Claypool, just physical specimen that was just more athletic than anybody else in the field and just go up and get a jump ball. Great outlet and made some catches that he shouldn't have and, and got us out of a lot of sticky situations. But I think also a big loss is Chris Fink. Um, He did a lot for us and not only in short yardage situations, but he had, notably long catches you know that Michigan catch our junior year a uh, big catch against USC um, a couple years ago as well to get us in the playoffs. so he he was just a great receiver that that did so much for us um, no questions asked so that's a big loss as well but we have talent around the field uh, starting at the running back position we have Howard Williams starting who I'm really excited about short guy but a, like an elite athlete, I think shifty, fast, and this this coaching staff loves him. I think he's got a lot of Darren Sproles in him. Which growing up watching Darren Sproles in the NFL was so so electric to watch. So it'll be really fun having Kyron as our our bona fide starter at the running back position. Uh, but behind him, we got the stud freshman Chris Tyree, the Jet, the Jet, who who is one of the better athletes coming into one of the better freshman athletes in in college football. He'll um, be extremely, extremely exciting to watch. Um, but our running back position is really deep, so I want to hear more about from you guys about the running back position because we have guys that we've seen run the ball for Notre Dame in the past couple of years and and be really useful in that offense.
1: Yeah, uh, I like Ian said. He touched on Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. I think the coaching staff is obviously very excited about those those two guys and i i really hope that they that they go out and, and meet those meet those expectations and, and put on a show um like i like I know they probably can but it's also really reassuring to know that you're, t- you're when the two deep gets released that probably for the first time in a, in a long time that notre dame can go can go five deep there yeah. that they're com- they're pretty much going to be comfortable with any of sure. these five five guys i'm looking at running running the rock i'm looking just below Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree you're looking at Jameer Smith and and Sebo who both got carries last year and even and even below them is Jafar Armstrong who we know has scored touchdowns in big games for Notre Dame I think I think there's 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 very few feelings of elation that will match that of Jafar Armstrong punching it in against Michigan um on that one fateful Saturday night at home two years ago. So even, I, I, even, though Jafar, even though Jafar is so low on the depth chart, I
2: do think he'll have a role with this team though. He, I think so too. He's the most experienced back on the team. He's a senior leader and he's a he's our biggest back for sure. So I, I think he's gonna have he's gonna he's got great vision in the red zone. And I think, I, I, I hope uh, Lance Taylor can trust him in the red zone and that he can hang around and mentally stay in the season and be a leader for this
1: young core. Yeah, so Jafar, I'd love to be able to find to spot for him.
0: Yeah. And he he actually came in you know, he came in as a receiver so we know that he has the ability you could see him he'll be really versatile I think in Tommy Reese if he tries to employ a lot of two back sets you know maybe you have your Tyree or Kyron Williams lined up next to Ian Book but then you have Jafar in the slot you can motion him all around the field you know he can run routes he can catch passes be a matchup nightmare for linebackers especially. So I think it's very interesting to see my take kind of on the running back room is give us it. I I think, I think I don't want us to be five deep at running back. I don't think that's a good thing for a football team. I think you need two, maybe three guys at max in a game because running back, it's a very much a rhythm position. You you need to go in, take those hits first two, three carries of the game, you get in, actually get into the feel of the game. And if you're rotating five backs in and out constantly, I know there's versatility with this offense especially, but you kind of have to establish a rhythm for the running backs. It's something that we saw over the years. If you look back to 2017, it was Josh Adams, you know, first two quarters, he's pounding him up five, six yards. Then bam, third quarter hits a crease. USC gone, 75-yard
2: touchdown. I think that's fair for sure. Um, What I will say about us having the versatility there is they're all different types of backs. Yeah. um chris that's exactly really, currently yeah. is, is just crazy shifty chris tyree is just crazy fast and just an incredible like run over the ball i i don't need to see jameer smith and Sibo both getting touches i'd like to see one of them kind of establish themselves as our as our battering ram third down back and, and short yardage back because I, I i'm with you Dana, like we need we need some rhythm there um and then i guess more so out of just just fandom for what he's done. I, I'd like to see Jafar get involved in some sense.
0: Yeah. And one thing that kind of worried me almost is you guys saw that we moved Osito Kwanu. He was getting some reps at running back during camp. Yep. And then I know he's a short yards guy. He's huge. If you've seen the pictures of him, dude's cut from marble. But he's six foot, six, one two thirty. 230. Dude's a battering ram. He's got a lot of potential at a linebacker. But I think it says something about the running back room. If you're saying, oh, we need this guy for short yardage. Well, Jameer Smith, Sebo, like Kyron's thick. Like, are they not good enough there? I'm just, it just kind of worries me a bit if, you know, you're two weeks away from the first game and you have to move a linebacker over to get reps. And I know this year it's a lot different. Say the entire running back room gets COVID and they're out. Well, guess what? We actually have a running back room plug and play. Maybe that's part of it. But I think it is interesting to kind of see that you know, when you have to move a linebacker over.
2: Yeah, that's de- that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. But I, I was more encouraged by th- when this two-deep came out about the young players. Um, and when you're looking at the two-deep and it says, or, 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 you can't really stack them up for sure. So we don't know if Jafar is absolutely at the bottom of this group. But for somebody who's so experienced and has played well in a Notre Dame uniform, I was almost encouraged that he was so... So low on the depth chart, and that these young guys were establishing so much trust with this coaching staff. So, just from the running back position, I think there's a lot to be excited about, but there's a lot to be proven there for sure. Um, and if we're moving on to wide receivers, I mentioned we lost we lost Claypool, we lost Fink, replaced them in interesting ways, I'd say. Um, yeah, we yeah. replaced Claypool with a, uh, a a big receiver, big grad transfer from Northwestern, a Ben Skoronic who's who's played three years in the Big Ten. Um made he's he's made some big time starts for them. Um he's leader. It seems like he on social media, him and him and me a book are, are good buddies already. He seemed to have a good rapport. Um and he's a big guy, but we can't expect him to p- replace Claypool for the player he was. Um he doesn't he's not he's not the deep threat that Claypool was. He'll make savvy strong handed catches to get us crucial first downs, but he's not gonna be Claypool.
0: Is he gonna uh, bring his to bail?
2: He'll bring his lunch pail. He'll, he'll absolutely bring his lunch pail. I, don't, I love that. I've, I've never heard a story of Bennett forgetting his lunch pail, so I'm, I'm confident that. Um, and then on the outside, Javon McKinley starting over Brayden Lindsey is intriguing, to to say the least. Um, he's never really broken into our starting lineup. He's never really gotten meaningful snaps in games before. Um, He's clearly a great athlete. We saw his his, his young touchdown run, his long touchdown run against Mexico last year. But I want to hear what you guys have to think about Javon
1: being in that starting role. I like having Javon in the starting role. Uh, I like having the experience. I like having the experience there. Uh, I know Brad uh, Brad Lindsey got snaps uh, last year, uh, but I saw him more, more of his threats came from the more of his threat came from the Quick passes and, and handing the ball off and, let, and letting him just use his speed. I'd like to see more of that speed, but especially to start the season, um, I'm I'm completely okay with having McKinley start out there. He's, I mean, the two deep hasn't listed at six two two fifteen. That's a pretty that's a pretty solid body, especially for somebody who, who, can, who can who can who can move a little bit, who can wiggle a little bit. So I have no problem uh, with Javon with Javon McKinley uh, get, getting the start uh, for the outside wide receiver. Um, I think that one of the things that one of the things we talked about the other night um, or what we've mentioned in the past is that you lose one of the biggest, one of the biggest things about Claypool's game that you lose that I think he absolutely excelled at was blocking on the perimeter. Um, and it was something that I think uh, our running game was kind of, kind of benefited of. I know Ian benefited a few times of him just throwing really good blocks downfield or, or out, or out right. corners and kind of seal, sealing an edge to make that sure was, that Ian had that had good. a crease. That was, that's yeah. Big. So, I'd love to see. I don't, I'm not sure that there's anybody on this roster that's in the wide receiving core that can, that can replace that perimeter blocking. But I would love to see somebody, um, like, Don, like Dono, but Don, you know, Dono mentioned bringing a lunch pail. I'd love to see somebody bring their lunch pail to work on the perimeter and start burying some guys, pancaking some guys on the goal line, like Claypool pancake that kid from UNC. Um, so, yeah, you know, it'd be great if McKinley was that. I'm not sure if he's going to be, but I, you know, I, 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 there's something to be said for her, for experience and, and age on on this team as well, for sure. Yeah,
0: going off that, Tom, is that you know you're looking for guys outside, and do you know who I think might be able to provide that. Who we saw give some pretty damn solid blocks in the, was a Camping World Bowl against Iowa State, <laughs> but that was a uh, Tommy Tremble,
2: yes, sir. Was, you
0: know, great athlete out of Atlanta, Georgia, maybe suburbs of Atlanta. But he's a guy that you can move all over the field. One thing that I don't think we saw quite enough last year in Chip Long's offense was lining up Cole Komet at against a five ten corner from some random ACC school. You know, like that is you have the most athletic tight end draft in Komet, and they never exploited that matchup. And that's something that I would love to see out of Tommy Reese. Yeah, he, honest
2: honest question about that. I, I, I don't really ever remember seeing Cole Komet line up against a, a quarterback. I honestly feel like he mostly lined up like in line.
0: Yeah, they put Komet in line, which he wasn't great at. I think the mark of a good coach is you got to, you know, play to your players' strengths. Don't try to hide their weaknesses. You know, I don't know if that totally makes sense, but you want to emphasize the strengths more than try to hide the weaknesses. And you know, you got a super athlete against some guy he's got 50 pounds on you know, will tremble. You know, he's probably fast enough to honestly run with a lot of the corners out there. There's no safeties or linebackers that are going to be able to guard him. The dude's probably put on another 15, 20 pounds. He's probably one of the, I guess, returning players on offense. I'm probably the most excited to see. I know the tight end room has a ton of talent. And I think especially early on before Kevin Austin returns from injured injury that they're going to be needed to provide a lot of the production and receiving game. We lose a lot you lose over a thousand yards, 13 touchdowns from Claypool last year. You need to replicate that somehow. And with all the talent in the tight end room, I think that's probably the biggest spot where Ian book can look to, especially Tom Reese's M size. There will be a lot of two tight end formations, three tight end formations out there this year. So what do you guys think?
2: Like? I'm with you. Um, I, 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 don't know, I, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but, Brock Wright coming in as one of the one of the top tight ends in the country. His recruiting class, he's unbelievable as a blocker. He was underutilized as a pass catcher too. I expect to see him get involved in the pass game too. Um, I think Tommy Reese is ready, or sorry, Tommy Tremble is is ready to break through as the next great pass catching tight end in Notre Dame in the Notre Dame lineage. Um, I don't think he'll be as as dominant and as a well rounded tight end as we've seen in the past but purely as a pass catcher Tommy clearly has some talent and I, I'm really excited to see what he's done in, in the progression he's made in the offseason
1: I'd, uh, I'd agree with I'd agree with Ian on there I think you have two different types of, uh, of tight ends there uh, obviously I think you have Tommy Tremble who uh, is an elite pass catcher and I think he's somebody who will make a great game breaking play uh, is a threat down the field will run at safeties and um, and be a problem down the middle and on the sideline. And we've seen Brock Wright be as talented as he is. He's been some, behind some also super talented guys like Nicole Komet um, in front of him. So I, I, I'm just excited to see, hopefully, his expanded role um, in the pass-catching game. Not all, you know He's a great blocker, but would love to see him get a few more touches in the short-to-intermediate game. Um, but somebody else I wanted to touch on um, – who's probably being a little bit overshadowed as a freshman, just given that the other freshman in, in his class on offense is Chris Tyree. Uh, but that person is Michael Mayer. I think it's 6'5", 235. He absolutely dominated those camps. Um, Huge Michael Mayer fan. Yeah, he's – I know Dono's, Dono's been a, been a Cincinnati big fan been. for a while. More or less. But, is <laughs> roughly Cincinnati guy. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'm I'm super excited about him too. I'd love to see him. Um, get to get get a get a feature in this offense. I think he's going to be a real good. He might be the next super great next tight end. He might be somebody that you look at and says, and you can put up there with Kyle Rudolph and 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 Tyler Eifert, uh, especially if he gets his gets an early start here. Uh, I'm not sure what the plan is as far as whether or not you don't want to burn a year if you only want to play him four games or less and and put the red shirt on. Um, I don't really know what the long term strategy there is, but. To me, the more snaps he sees, the better. I think. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be that good. Um, so. Seeing him
2: on the two deep was definitely encouraging. Though we're going to see a lot of him this year. I agree. I, I think. I think they're. I think Michael Mayer's gone in three to four years, no matter what. So I don't think they're going to burn a year, Michael Mayer. I mean, he was our top recruit coming in, and this coaching staff absolutely loves him. Um, and I don't think all, they're going to want to waste a minute of him being on campus.
0: Yeah, he's the first tight end I believe ever to win offensive MVP at the opening. Think of the opening. You have the Elite 11 quarterbacks are there. You have all the top running backs, you know, Chris Tyree. And it's a seven-on-seven seven camp, so running backs really can't do anything. But every receiver's there, every top DB, corner safeties, even linebackers trying to guard Michael Mayer. They couldn't do it. I mean, it's a tight end dominated the camp, and I think that says a lot about the type of player he's going to become. He's already huge. He played both ways in high school. Toughcath, I believe he wants state there at some level in Kentucky.
2: Fun fact He's, his neck is is wider than my shoulders. Yeah. I'm not saying automatically leads to anything, but I'm I'm pretty in this situation, I think uh, and I'm I'm pretty big for those listeners at home. You're I'm, huge. I'm pretty I'm like maybe eight feet wide, so uh <laughs> got a pretty big neck. Got an eighteen inch neck circumference <laughs> at least. I'm excited about Michael Mary. He's gonna he's gonna do big things. Um, but I I don't want to leave out the loss of Chris Fink because I do think that's a, that's a that's a loss for us and that's a little bit of a question mark.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I definitely agree. He was kind of a staple for at least our four years following Notre Dame. I know, Tom, you were a huge Chris Fink guy.
1: I was. I was. I liked that. I liked the security that Chris Fink provided to Ian Buck as somebody who. Bounce off spots in the defense and fairly shorthanded, and was and was. If if, if you didn't want to go to Claypool down down the field, it seemed it seemed like Fink Fink found his way to get open a few times. But I think he, I, we're, we maybe maybe jumping the gun here a bit. But I'm he Avery Davis, who looks like it'll be him replacing Fink in the slot. It, he's one of the most more intriguing players for me on, on this offense. I think yeah. we've seen a lot of lot of Avery Davis. Avery Davis came in as a quarterback, um, had his had his go at running back, um, and is now in the slot, moved over to receiver. I, I after a quick spell at running back, or at cornerback, at cornerback. At all right, cornerback, cornerback. Yeah, so. I just think I think he's a really good athlete, and I love that I love that you finally found a way to get him on the field. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, he's super intriguing. I'm not sure he's my most exciting player. I'm not sure he's going to be the best. Probably won't be the best player on the offense, but I think he's re- he's a really intriguing piece that I think that a lot of people probably aren't talking about. Um, that may may deserve a little bit more attention than it's getting.
2: That's a that's a really tough spot. It's a tough position to learn, um, especially from what Chris Frank gave us out of it. I mean, it's just such a cerebral position and. He's got to be so crisp with his routes and, you know, if defenses are playing zone, he's got to know where to sit and know where to continue his route. Um, this dude has not had – the coaches haven't put him through the easiest college career. Uh, but I'm really rooting for Avery Davis because he he's, really, he's said yes to everything that's been thrown his way. Um, and and I I really respect him for that, and I'm really rooting
1: for him in the slot position to see if he can get it done. I agree. I think the fact that he said yes to everything um, is kind of more indicative of, of why he probably will have success because yeah. it sounds – because if, if there's one thing I think that you could probably say about Avery Davis as an outside looking, outsider looking in is uh, he sounds extremely coachable. For um, um, sure. Kind, kind of willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to help the team. No, zero to no ego, ego involved. Um, so if that means learning a new position in, in slot, Um, as quickly as he can to help help this offense, I think he's going to do it. And I think that's kind of what makes him so interesting and intriguing in that spot.
0: Yeah. So going off that, Tom, you're talking about low egos, zero recognition. (laughs) Let's talk about the big guys.
2: Yes, sir. The big big uglies.
0: Yes, sir. position group on the entire team. You know, we return – Five starters, realistically six starters, because Josh Lug came in last year, second half of the year, did a great job stepping in at right tackle when Rob went down. And this is a team noting it's OLU, I think it's fair to say at this point, at least in For sure, all, all three of our minds it is. For sure. It's, you know, the goal should be the Joe Moore award in my mind, which is top offensive line in the country, I think. You know, not necessarily anything falling short of failure, but there I don't know if there's another offensive line in the country that returns as many starts as we do, as much talent as we do. I'd be surprised if anyone on this O-line goes undrafted, if maybe injuries happen, you know, pray a guy that they don't. But this is a super talented, they're big, they're strong, they're experienced, and they could really make the difference against, you know, teams like Clemson, on our schedule. So.
1: I, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I call, I call, I call the offensive line home, uh, for myself. Um, so I definitely, I, 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 I think this is the position group that I identify with most. Um, and it's probably why I lean towards them to toward, in my opinion, them being the most talented position group on this football team. Um, like, like Dono mentioned, returning five, turning, uh, effectively returning six starters, um, I think if you if you look at those six, especially the five that have a starting position right now, that's a mean that's a mean front ready to ready to uh, protect the book and get this run game going. I think there's one if there's one thing that I missed a little bit last year um, is us is you know the 2018 campaign. You uh, you were able to run right behind McClinchy and and Quint Nelson wherever you wanted on the wherever you wanted all over the field. I really think that you can run behind. Both sides of these, uh, you can run behind both sides of this offensive line, uh, and, and and I'd love to see us start pushing the ball down teams' throats um, more so than more so than maybe airing it out. I think that's a that's a fun style of football. I think it's football those those guys up front like to play. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Ryan, what do you what do you guys think? It, it's so nice not having to worry about
2: it, Slev, I'm I'm not an O line guy like you, but like going into a season, having not only our quarterback showed up because sometimes Kelly likes to run in there with two of them, but uh, not only our quarterback showed up, but just know we have maybe if not the best offensive line in football and just knowing that that's going to be our, that's where we're going to win every game out there. If, if it holds true, that's so comforting to me. I mean, it's just so great because I just think it gives opportunity to the guys on the rest of like all over the field. Um, to to do what they are asked to do, and and really given given the opportunity to succeed. And I just like I love having the experience. Um, and, and what's really great to me is all of these guys came in very highly recruited, and they all panned out. And it, it just it's just great to see. And it's like it's their names all on you, and we're we're going to continue to be hopefully. Um, I think. Jeff Quinn's doing a really, really good job not only recruiting, but developing these guys. So it's just really encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, you don't see you don't see a lot of egos coming out of this this group, I think. And that's something that's been passed down through the years. You know, these guys that are seniors now, some of them, they played on the same teams as Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Alex Barr, Sam Mustafer, who then played on the same teams as Ronnie Stanley, the Martin brothers, you know, even Mike Golig. It goes on and on. And I think there's a certain standard that, the Notre Dame linemen hold themselves to and it's passed down. Obviously you can't get three of the first of the five first team, all pro offensive linemen in the NFL. If there isn't a certain mentality that you established in college and those guys, they keep in contact with the guys in the pros. And you know, when that mentality is passed down, you don't want to be the guys that say, Oh, you know, Notre Dame's offensive line became bad when I was here. It's, I need to hold up this standard. I need to move guys. I want my college highlight tape to get as many views as Quentin Nelson's did, which is probably the most viewed college alignment tape of all time. Yeah, what, about,
2: what about my freshman year roommate, Parker Boudreaux?
0: Oh, shoot. Yeah, moving the bus. My bad. Move
2: the bus, dude. <laughs> <My> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> hey, he's playing well at UCF. I'll give him credit. Yes, sir. Hey. He, he deserved to be here. Maybe it wasn't the best fit, but uh, best of luck to let the Parker. Miss, you owe me. Glad he found a spot in Orlando.
0: Okay. so moving Uh, forward from that you know we haven't talked this is obviously a very experienced no-name bunch we have here especially on offense uh if there's a freshman that you guys are most excited to see i actually i'll take chris tyree out of the equation here because i think you know having the fastest guy in the country is going to be returning kicks too i think he's a pretty obvious answer to this question so other than chris tyree and it doesn't have to be this year it could be someone that you're most excited to see throughout the course of their Notre Dame
2: career. Um, we're talking strictly offense.
0: Strictly offense for now.
2: Um, we'll
0: do the same I'll, on
2: defense. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, for me, it's Jordan Johnson. Um, I think Chase Claypool was great, but like we have not had a guy that's best receiver in the country maybe since you know Michael Floyd's years um and I think Jordan Johnson could be that guy I was hoping to see him on the two deep but I don't think that's saying that he won't get snaps this year um I think he could be a guy that they might play four games and then let him rest to get that extra year eligibility but I think I really think he's he's gonna be incredible um he has all he has all the physical traits Uh, I think it's how he kind of reacts once he gets on campus, but I think he's a really, really, really exciting guy. Um, And besides Chris Tyree, he's probably the guy that I'm mostly excited to see on the offensive end.
1: Um, For me, I think for sure it's going to, it's going to be Michael Mayer. Uh, I know I mentioned him earlier, so I won't dive too deep into it, but I, I think that he, he will be the next great Notre Dame tight end. I think that, you know, uh, somebody who somebody who will be a stud blocking and will be a stud pass catching, uh, will resemble a lot of what Tyler Eifert and Kyle Rudolph has, have resembled in the past. Um, so I will I will definitely go with uh, Michael Mayer, um, for for uh, for sure. But uh, Jordan Johnson is, is also somebody who who's pretty exciting as well. So I think I think that's a good point. Ian.
0: Yeah, and for me, I'm gonna go the skill position route. Michael Mayer probably would have been my choice, but you got him. So he's a guy who's probably not going to see a ton of minutes or snaps this year just because there's a lot of experience above him at the wide receiver position. And that person, Xavier Watts. Okay. I'll start calling him the X Man now. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But he's a guy he played both ways in high school. He's from Omaha, Nebraska, not a highly recruited area of the country, obviously. And, you know, Notre Dame stole him from Nebraska. Obviously, they're down. Scott Frost didn't do enough. Sorry. But he's a guy he had experience playing both sides of the ball. He's a great athlete. His high school film is honestly nuts. It's an absolute shock to me that he was a high three-star, low four-star. I think he's a guy that maybe as early as next year, he may register this year. He might even push for snaps. Who knows? He's a guy that I think over his Notre Dame career will be remembered as one of, you know, the great core, the great receiving targets, I guess, for the next generation of Notre Dame quarterbacks that comes after Ian Book, whether it's Buckner or Drew Pine, whoever, Brandon Clark. But I think he's going to be known as one of the main targets going forward and will leave huge impact.
1: Love it. I, yeah. I pick the Next man. Sure. Glad you guys got a little more creative than I did. Yeah. Uh, you, want flip, you want to flip sides here?
0: Yep, let's flip sides. Defense. Starts up front. Pass,
1: out, Yeah, yes, sir. Um, All right. Uh, D-line, man. I think this is going to be one of the better D-lines that we've we've had in a, in a pretty long time. Um, right. For sure, I think you got two really, uh, really, really good edge rushers in Odeg and Deirdre and Dalen Hayes. I think they're going to be absolute problems. I think that uh, if all goes according to plan we well, we should have a we should have a prop bet coming up on them uh, as far as combined sex and I will I if, if given if given the option I'm going to absolutely smash the over. Uh, all right so what would
2: it be? I'd say if I were to set it right now, I'd go maybe fourteen and a half between Ada yeah, and yeah,
1: I th- I think that Dono set it for us at thirteen and a half. Uh, very comfortable at thirteen and a half almost equally as comfortable at fourteen and a half. Um, I think what did they uh, Let's see. I think that it, it's going to be interesting. I may, maybe maybe I'm over maybe I'm overshooting it. And maybe I shouldn't uh, shouldn't be so bold, given that they're only playing a, a, they're all, they're playing a few less games. But I'm really excited about the guys on the edge, and for me too, uh, having Myron and, and Kurt Heinisch in the middle uh, are also two exciting guys. I don't think they're going to get as much as t- attention, but for Kurt sure. He- Kurt Kurt that being guys you have to worry about makes it so much easier for Ada and Dalen on the edge. I agree. Kurt Heinish at the nose guard, he is, I mean, in the in the night, in the best way possible, he is nasty to play against. And he's really athletic too. I mean, what, he's uh he's six two, two ninety-six, but that can, I mean he moves well too. Yeah. Um and, and he and he eats gaps and, and he's a problem for interior alignment. He's net na- he's nasty. Uh it, it, and and that's what your nose guard should be. He should make your centers uncomfortable, he should make your, your guards uncomfortable. Um so you know, he shouldn't be somebody that you want to trap lock. So uh, I, I I definitely appreciate that from from, from Kurt uh in addition to, to the edge rushers we're gonna see, Dalen and uh and Ade.
0: My favorite memory of Kurt Heinish is seeing him out and about in South Bend on a I think January or February, Saturday night. You know, football team didn't have a lift the next day. Early. And uh, dude's leaning over right around the sidebar and noose wearing overalls, nothing else. It's, gritty,
1: gritty. Pittsburgh,
0: it, if it, I'm not mistaken. Out. It's bl- bl- blowing wind 20 miles an hour. Wind chill's probably around zero. Doesn't give a fuck. He's wearing overalls. That's, no, the, kind no. of That's the kind of guy you need at the one tech.
2: I, I think our front uh, four is – so, so scary to opposing offensive linemen. Um, and and we're really I think Ade and Daylon are just gonna be up a tee off with with Myron and and Kurt going to work in the middle. But the depth of this group is exciting to me. Um it's a young, young depth. Um, when the 2D came out, we saw OV, Jason Atamola, Jacob Lacey, and also Justin Adamola at like all on that back line front four. Uh, but you also saw Isaiah Foskey listed at both ends, which means that the, the coaching staff is just looking to get him on the field, let him make plays at both ends. Um, we have a veteran group that's leading a young group behind them, which is kind of the ideal situation for me. And I, I like Mike, Mike Elston, as our D line coach, is just going to keep just breeding studs, and I'm I'm excited about that.
0: I think I don't think you can say enough about how crucial. Mike Elston has been to this quasi-rebuild that we've had since 2016 under Brian Kelly. You know, he moved back to the D line after basically Kelly cleared house of everyone else, and since then he's recruited dudes. You know, I saw a stat on Twitter the other day: the 2016 class that Elston is more or less. Responsible for developing, at DN, you had four captains. Four, yeah. One, Julian, Khalid, Kareem, Ade, and Dalen Hayes. Four guys, four for four in the class of 2016 at defensive end. They learned under Mike Elston. All four became captains. I think that cu- speaks to the type of coach he is, to the type of developer, not only as players but as people develops you know defensive end which typically you know you see your quarterbacks your offensive linemen your linebackers guys who are calling out stuff those guys are typically seen as leaders of the team but to have both of your defensive ends back-to-back years become captains of the team I think that speaks to the type of coach he is and I hope he sticks around it sticks around at Notre Dame for a long time it's obvious he knows how to identify talent and even more so to develop it
2: yeah, he, he's great. Um I think he's probably at options elsewhere, but he's the associate head coach right now and I know Brian Kelly loves him and um he, he I think he likes his spot. I hope he sticks him up a little bit. Um moving back to the linebacking core. Another another strong group that uh that we've seen a lot of last year, but there are some interesting pieces. Don, you want to leave us through that? Yeah,
0: so linebackers, obviously, it was a huge question mark coming into last season, 2019 season. You were basically replacing all the starters. You're replacing one of the all time leaders of the program, Andrew Tranquil. But I think those guys really stepped up. You saw Asmar below, who didn't kind of run off the field. He stepped up, played a great role last year. Everyone was kind of doubting him. Once again, he's gone, and that leaves a hole at Buck, which is now going to be filled by someone we haven't seen starting before, whether it's Maris Lufau or Shane Simon. Maris's guy, he's a redshirt freshman who kind of surprised everyone by jumping up the depth chart. Drew White is another guy. He's going to be rock solid. He was tied for the team leading tackles with Wu, who's he's the first-team All-American top 15 pick that's coming out of the rover position, which is the most crucial position in Clark Lee's scheme. So I think if you looked at the biggest question mark coming into last season, turning into what could be a huge strength of defense, I think that's, you know, another notch Clark Lee can put in his cap, having guys, especially on the edge at that buck and Rover position that will fly around the
1: field and make plays. So I agree. I'm looking forward to, I think the the biggest point that, that you just made is that this was a group that I think people were really worried about coming into last year. Um, Maybe not. Maybe not as much. The first two games were definitely going into Athens. Uh, I think people were severely, severely concerned about what this, what this linebacking core was made of. Um, and
0: on a of plays in Athens.
1: And Drew White played really, really well, and I enjoyed watching him continue to play really, really well. Even if he started as a question mark, I thought he put. I thought he was excellent. I think he's going to continue to be excellent. I think he's going to be uh, as much as much attention as as Wu's going to get. I think that Drew White's going to be, excuse me, one of the most important pieces uh, to to this defense. I'm really looking forward to watching this linebacking core come together. Should be one of the better ones we've we've had uh, we've had we've had in a while. I wouldn't say the best, but one of one of the better ones uh, in our in our lifetimes. Hopefully, for sure. I'm looking for young young
2: guys produce. Yeah, I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for Wu to be one of the better places in the players in the country. I mean, he's a stud. Uh, Everybody knows he's a stud. And like I'm I just I was looking for him to just make plays week in week out. Maybe 12, 12 tackles a game. Some games, um, just be an absolute staple in that position. Some interesting pieces behind. us. So I don't think it's their deepest position. Um, Bo Bauer getting some snaps. Hopefully at some point you got Pomoala as well. Uh, but the the I think the buck with Shane Simon or Maris Leifo, we will be uh will kind of be where we make or break this linebacking core.
0: Is that how you say it, Liaofo?
2: I'm. I, Leafau, I. I Leafau, we're well, I mean, uh, out on Saturday. has yeah. got yeah. it. They get, they get more, uh, they get more Facetime with these guys than we do. But either way, he's got, he's he's a great kid. Um, for, for now, for now, more, for, more time. Yeah, for now. soon, soon to be Facetime for us. But he's a great guy. Uh, he's a former fisher guy, but his he's, he's also got a great family. Um, another one in the the Notre Dame Hawaii pipeline, uh, which should give us confidence, especially that linebacker position. Yep. Then finally, I guess. We have the secondary where
0: you kind of have who is widely seen as the next great Notre Dame football player, and Kyle Hamilton, dude, came in as a prodigy, lived up to every second of it. Even in you know a defensive backfield where you had Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott, who was a three-year returning starter who had been playing since his freshman year, he was still able to basically demand snaps on the field. I think we will see a ton of good out of him this year. There's probably not that much we have to say about Kyle Hamilton. He's more or less a known quality, first team, All American freak of nature. 6'4, 220, 40 inch vert, can run with slot receivers, can run with the guys out wide. But you look He's at the. He's a, a quarter, dude, Donna. He's um, a dude. He's the that dude. Dude. The dude, he's the dude. The de- we need Kyle Hamilton to be the dude. Can the we
2: dude. just can we just all agree. He is the he's probably the best player on this defense. I think.
0: Yeah, and Wu is a stud. Wu is going to go top twenty.
2: Wu is going go to go top twenty. Dalen Hayes has always been great. I mean, I think Otis is a great player as well. But like for the next two years, maybe even one more year, he might go after next year. Kyle Hamilton will be the. I mean, he's he's going to be. I think he's on an All American watch this year. Yeah, no, he had played like is. half the snaps last year. Yeah, he's incredible.
0: Um, you talk about what Clark Lee can do, and you know he, we hear about the mastermind he is, and we talk about chess pieces. Kyle Hampton's a chess piece; you can move him all over the field. Wu's a chess piece? You can move him all over. Sean Crawford, another guy in the secondary, technically starting at safety, probably might be the best corner on the team too. Probably
2: both team at nickel. I feel like will guard some bigger guys. Um, Sean Crawford's on duty. I mean, he's, he's a guy I'm absolutely rooting for. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him in a starting role, especially since it's his sixth year on campus. If um, he can stay healthy, he's a great player. And I, th- I mean, I think he'd be so key for us if he can stay healthy. And I really want him to do well
1: and just finish off his career strong. I agree. Uh, I think Sean, Sean Crawford is, is, is the feel-good, knock on wood, that he stays healthy. But he is the feel-good story this year for this defense um very much looking forward to watching him play football i think i think he's really good and like dono said it you can i think you could see him at corner and like Ian mentioned i think you could totally see him at nickel too uh he'll start he'll start he'll start at safety and start at the strong safety uh probably just being uh you see uh just a little bit smaller than hamilton uh so so he doesn't necessarily need to play to play that uh Play that last line of defense. Probably play on the ball side, but
2: yeah. Uh, sorry, son We didn't really see uh, Hamilton in the box all that much last year. No, no there you him not. A lot more coming into that front seven and, and and
1: piling up in the box issue, which is an I, interesting wrinkle. I think so too. I think he was. He also made. He he also tackled pretty well. Yeah, uh, close to the line of scrimmage, which which was important.
0: I I think the same play is sticking out both of your minds right now when Malcolm Perry tried to get around the edge, fourth and one Navy game.
2: No No, shot.
0: Hamilton came downfield, got him. That was his only tackle for loss all year because when he came into the game, oftentimes we kept both the other safeties in the game. We'd move Hamilton the center field and have Alohi basically play linebacker.
1: Right, yeah. Right, Alohi played a little bit of a down safety position mm-hmm. As shout out, uh, uh, fifty-three man with the
2: chargers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's been a killer, but it's, it, it's good to see him. I know a couple of us were good, good buddies with him, So it's good to see him make the roster. Cause he was, he was awesome for us. So I'm happy for Hell
1: him. Yeah.
0: Yep. All right. Then corner, which is probably our biggest question mark on the team. You know, Nick McLeod transferred from NC state seems to be the incumbent starter at, at least one of the positions with Tariq Bracey
2: being the other. Maybe um, maybe Tariq Bracey. What? Maybe Tariq Bracy. We could say. So I, I think this is our most intriguing position. Um we don't really know what we're getting for th- th- for two out of our potential three starters. Um I don't me personally I was not glued to the T V watching NC State Wolfpack football and seeing Nick McLeod ball out, but he was a captain for them. Um, obviously Notre Dame liked him. They got, they got him in the grad transfer market. He made 51 tackles last year. Clearly a tough guy. Um, and then Clarence Lewis, a, a true freshman coming in to start at the corner position. Like,
1: I, I, Maybe I'm excited about it, but it's intriguing. Uh, it's a it's a question mark, with, to, to say the least. I'm I'm personally excited about Nick McLeod. I think for any Irish fan who's kept their ear to the ground, you hear very good things about you know, um, again, same boat as Ian. I haven't really watched a whole ton of NC State, Wolfpack football, but I think everything you hear about Nick McLeod is, is that he's a really good athlete and he's a really good football player with a high football IQ. Um, and obviously, you know, whether him being a captain also just kind of says something about his leadership skills and the way that he plays football. I, think, you know, I don't think everybody's cut out to be a captain. So if you're if you're a captain of the D1 football team, uh, in the ACC, I, th- I think you, I think you're doing okay and I think you're going to be able to play in this league for sure. Yep, I, I agree with that.
0: I think corner is one of those positions where there's, talent, there's potential there, but once again, they need to show us. And you know, we have athletes there. It's not like we're going to be sticking, I don't know, guys out there that can't do the job. There's guys there that can do the job. It's whether they can put in the time, learn the schemes that they need to, and make plays because that's we're going to be facing a lot of good receivers this year. You know, even though Justin Ross is out for Clemson, they have a stable of five stars they can rotate in. But, you know, we'll do the same thing we did for offmans just do a little quick hit around. Player you're most excited to see, freshman. Fresh. Freshman you're most excited to see over their Notre Dame career.
2: Sleb, hmm. you, you want to go first here?
1: Uh, I don't know if I have a good. i I've, I've, I'm so focused on on my Michael Mayer or Chris Tyree. I'm not sure. Do, do you have, have one? Up, oh yeah, I have one. I have oh up,
2: yeah. Up, um, I think I think Riley Mills. I know he's an Illinois guy. Um, I think Riley Mills is somebody to be really excited about. Um, he's he's an absolute man. Um, Tommy Reese recruited him because he went to Tommy Reese's high school. I think he'll fit in really well in Notre Dame, and I think he'll he'll just continue to develop. We don't see him on this year's 2D. He's a true freshman. Probably a redshirt year from him, but I think he'll be a guy that we're going to see a lot of on the D-line going forward. Yeah.
0: I, I have mine easily. I knew from the first time I saw this dude walking around campus, it's Jordan Botello. Good right out of Hawaii, considering the pipe, you know, continuing the pipeline. Dude's just a bad motherfucker. I mean, he struck me immediately. He was listed, I think, 6'2", 230 coming out of high school. He's much bigger than that. (laughs) Um, If you you watch this highlight film, man, he played linebacker, kind of D-line, perfect for the drop. I guess it's now called Viper position on Notre Dame defense. But he just plays angry. He plays violent. Basically the type of guy you want in your corner in a street fight. Um, But – he's a bad motherfucker. And I think he's going to be household name in college football within the next two years. I think he's going to make a ton of plays in Notre Dame uniform.
1: I think that Jordan Batello take is really good. I think that's probably going to have to be my answer as well. I hate to just harp harp right on yours, but every, everything you just said, you, I saw him on campus. I kind of turned around. I was like, who, who is this kid? Uh, Yeah. Uh, But I'm excited to see him, see him get, get some snaps. If not this year, then hopefully next year. Yeah. All right, fellas. So uh, uh D D yeah. quick we we do we'd be remiss. we would be remiss if we didn't talk about or we'd be remiss if we don't mention the specials real quick. Uh we don't have to go into depth about them because the less we hear about them the better. For sure. Um, <laughs> but 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 door but Jonathan Dore is your place kicker. One of the best kickoff guys last year. Very very happy about that. Uh, consistency is key again. Not hearing The less you hear his name the better. Um, Dre, uh Jay Bramlett Will be punting. Um, I think Jay Bradley could be a good punter. I think he could be a good punter. He Comfortable was, with that too.
2: He was a uh, he was a he was a high quality recruit. Um, big leg. He played quarterback for his team too. So good athlete. Watch the fake, dude. I, I <laughs> like, like, let the man throw. Let the let the man air it out. I'd love him this year. Yeah. So I think I think I, I, I'm with you. Like better. We, like the less we hear about this group, the better. Jay Bradley should be good. Doris should be good.
1: And 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 Ian, we gotta we gotta replace uh, we gotta replace the pride of Loyola. We do have to replace John Shannon.
2: Uh, that's
1: I, that's gonna be Michael Vincent. Yeah, uh, Michael Vincent should do it. Um, yeah.
2: Not only are you replacing Claypool on offense, you're replacing him on special teams, though.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing too. I think that that was something that we did we forgot to mention earlier uh, was that uh, we'll he's see we'll see so, we'll see what we'll so will on special teams. Yeah, we'll see what they fill out the the rest of the special teams roster. I, I really don't know who's going to be our
2: gunner there. Um, I think we'll, we'll see that week one. But, uh, I mean, actually, hopefully we don't see week one. Hopefully we never pull. But <laughs> I, I don't know who's going to be our gunner and just, just get downfield and make a tackle like Claypool can. Cause make plays, yeah. You could throw two guys, three guys at him. He, he'd shed those blockers and make a play. Um, He cared much about special teams. He did about his catch on offense, and that was, that was one of the great things about him. Yeah, agreed. All right. Yeah. All right,
0: let's move to Duke. Let's move on to the show. We got a show this Saturday.
2: We do. Yeah. Hell yeah, we do.
0: On the football field. All right, so do you guys remember Duke game last year? Uh, In my opinion, it was probably the most forgettable of any game last year. It was a road game, sandwiched in between home games. You know, It was at night, but there was – I think there's a lot else going on in the college football world, but 38 just, seven Notre Dame win, but it seemed like it was almost like it just happened.
1: It wasn't Let's, let's just say I was very happy that in preparation for this, Dono was able to find the condensed game um, rather than having to go back and watch the full two and a half hours or three hours worth of football. The condensed the condensed game was was just enough of this game that, that anybody needed to needed to watch. Um, I'm thinking. We have a, a little – I mean, what we did well was, I thought probably through probably threw the ball pretty well. I know Ian Book had two picks, but one was a garbage time and one was towards the end of the half. His arm got hit. I don't think it was really his necessarily his fault. Um, Book ran the ball well, but we did not run the ball well as an offense holistically. Um, and I think also think that you know if you, if you watch the highlights again, Fink had a really good game, but. Uh, Claypool was an absolute matchup disaster and did bail one or two times and just throws on just catches that only probably he could make. So, yeah, I agree with that. The offense definitely did
0: struggle at times, especially trying to run the ball. Duke's strength last year, as it's going to be again this year, is on their D line. They probably have a couple of guys who are going to get drafted. Chris Rump might go first round. Uh, he plays defensive end technically, but he'll move all over. And try to get him on good matchups, rushing passer. He'll be a great <laughs> test for no Dame's O line early on. And then there's uh, Victor McKay. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Duke fans that are listening, please let me know.
1: <laughs>
0: um, he's another guy on that D line that you know can cause troubles for the O line for the quarterback. But overall, this was a game last year that more or less Notre Dame's defensive do- dominated. Duke, yeah. their only touchdown of the game, came at the end of that first half off the in-book interception that gave them the ball in plus territory. Two plays there, they threw it over the top and scored. But overall, the defense-dominated Duke is not very strong on the O-line. They're breaking in a new quarterback this year. David Cutliffe, their coach, is pretty well-respected. Overall, he's really tight with the uh, Manning brothers, known as a QB guru. But we, I guess, Daniel Jones is a good quarterback to come out of Duke. But overall, we haven't seen a ton of studs.
2: Nah, come out I think a good coach. I don't know where the QB guru comes from, but I, I do respect him. I the Mannings. That's why. Yeah. I mean, probably, but I, he's a good coach. He's, got, he's done good things for that program.
0: He's like 10 games over 500 in, in his career. and Duke wants to build him a statue.
2: But th- that's <laughs> Duke football. That's Duke football. Sorry, Uncle Phil. My uncle played football at Duke. Um, a little lineman there. Um, but that that's Duke football. If you're 10 games over 500, you are doing something different. I think, I think it's safe to say they're a basketball school. Wow. What I would say about Duke this weekend, the show this weekend, if Notre Dame takes care of themselves,
1: we should be all right. Yeah. No, all the way Notre Dame loses this game this weekend. Like, like uh, you just said, they they are gonna have to beat themselves, which I don't foresee happening. But they they're really gonna have to to make some mistakes, um, to, for them to for them not to come out victorious on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and for the hundreds of thousands of you out there listening, I think usually we'll typically try to go a little more in depth on our opponent, but. You know, with it being week one, without there being established storylines already, and with Duke being you know the team there, they're coming off five and seven and lose a good amount of players, and with Notre Dame's strengths almost playing Duke's weaknesses, I think this is a podcast where we won't necessarily go as in depth. But if there was going to be one matchup, one key matchup, we can say that. We can look at for this game. What would you guys say it is?
1: You want to go first?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a matchup. I I, I would. I want to see Tommy Reese's first role as an offensive coordinator. Um, I think he's gonna he's got to come out with a plan. But in in, in college football and in football in any sense, you can't come out with a script and then stick to the script because you have to adjust. And I think that's something what Chip Chip Long struggled with. I think he was way too. Adherent to his script, he didn't make a ton of changes um, when we needed to. It would, he'd be he'd be backed up against the chain and still go with the still go with the short yardage play, assuming he was going to be at third and two. Um, I want to see Tommy Reese adapt throughout the game, um, and especially coming out of the half. I think my matchup is Tommy Reese versus um, Duke defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know who it is, but. Yeah. Grant Vanderbilt. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's cool. Uh, all right, we'll we'll I'll cut we'll cut this out. But uh, <laughs> I'm say my matchup is probably Tommy Reese versus uh, Duke defensive coordinator Matt Guerreri. and I and I'm not even putting this on Macquarie. I'm just looking for Tommy Reese to really put up put up with his Dukes as an offensive coordinator and really show us. Oh, how how uh, that's what I'm looking for. Put up his Dukes. You like that? Yeah,
1: I like that. It, it was it was okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think that. My, okay. Um, so for me, my matchup to watch for Sat for Saturdays definitely would be Chris Rumpf versus the Notre Dame offensive tackles. Probably the offensive line in general, but you know, he'll he'll start in the end. Um, I think it'll be a real test for Haines and Eichenberg, uh on on the edges uh, to to make sure that they can they can contain this guy as a pass rusher. Um, and can move him, uh, and can move him when we're trying when we're trying to run the ball. Um, I don't think this dude team is overly talented, but if there's one team that they, if there's one position where they're where, where they're definitely strong, it's on the defensive line, especially with Chris Rump. So um, he's somebody who move, who'll move around, who'll move inside, and, and he'll give he'll, he'll he'll see head up matchups against Kramer and Banks as well. But I think if I had to pick one matchup that I'm looking that I will be paying closer attention to. This weekend, it'll certainly be Rumpf versus uh, and Eichenberg.
0: Yeah, I think you guys hit nail on the head. Uh, One thing that this is kind of based off last year's game, and early on, Duke really tried to attack No Dam on the perimeter. You know, quick flares to the running backs, screens to the wide receivers, Trying to hit quick hitters and trying to take advantage of their speed on the outside, which they do have. Deion Jackson's kind of a jitterbug of a running back. DeMond Philly Johnson, he's been their kick returner. Actually returned two kicks for a touchdown last year. That's something to watch in this game. But I think this is the year he's finally going to get snaps at receiver. So I'd say watch out for them to take deep shots for him. But I would say look out for Notre Dame's kind of mid-level edge guys against Duke's Slot receivers, running backs, I think they'll move Philly Johnson around the formation, try to get him into favorable matchups where he can take advantage of his speed. And I think for Notre Dame, you're going to have to have, and I think that's another reason why we think Notre Dame really matches up well with Duke, this plays in Notre Dame's strength on defense. Their edge players are JOK, Kyle Hamilton, Sean Crawford, Maris Leofau, and... If those guys can step up, shut that down, I think Duke's going to have a really hard time getting anything going on offense. And, you know, if they are, though, if they can exploit those matchups that are against Notre Dame's supposed strengths, I think that's the only way we could see this becoming a tight game. But if Notre Dame, if their dudes can beat dudes, make plays, shut them down, I think we see Notre Dame start to gain momentum earlier, get a couple quick three and outs, start to march that ball down the field. And score. So with that being said, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, that's the, the question.
0: Game line is 20 Nine and one. under 53 and a half.
2: Um, I, I'm more inclined to take the Irish line minus 20 than I am with the over under. Cause I could see us honestly winning forty forty 40 to 10. Yeah. Um, and I think if it's a close game, it's going to be more of a low scoring game. Um, so I, I don't really want to match with the over under, but I do like us. 20 and a half um, that's that's an interesting number what do you think Slav
1: uh, i'm looking we said 20 and a half right or did we say 20
2: minus 20 minus 20 and a half depends it's on the a answer. Answer. i think All it's right. a 20 uh, and a half somewhere
1: i think i think i think whether it's 20 or twenty and a half. and a half i think no matter what Notre Dame covers uh, i think they win this game by four t- four touchdowns or, or or five touchdowns or somewhere between um, i think that uh, from a gambling perspective, uh, shout out to my good buddy Sean O'Brien for throwing this out there as a little tidbit yesterday um, that you may want to look at, if, if, especially if the line is 20, if you're seeing 20, you may want to buy a half a point to make that line nine, nine, uh, 19 and a half. It won't cost you. It won't cost you a whole lot, and it moves you off a football number. It moves you off uh, uh, an increment of 7 or 10 uh, or 3 there. Um, so it, it moves you. You'd hate, you'd hate to get beat. You'd hate to get beat. On, a, on two touchdowns and two field goals um, rather, uh, rather than just – or get beat or, or push there. Uh, rather play it safe and go to nineteen and a half. and a half As far from an over-and-under perspective, um, I'd love to see some points. I'd love to see Notre Dame force some turnovers on defense uh, and, and really explode and put up some style points on offense. Um, reminder, we're in a short season with not a lot of out-of-conference games, so I think style points are going to count. Um, and that's why I'd like to go over 53 and a half. I think I'd, I'd love to see some fireworks in this game on Saturday, bring, bring football back with a bang. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah,
0: I will say I think Notre Dame covers the 20 and a half pretty easily. I just don't think Duke has enough on offense to keep it close. I think Ian Books able to pick apart the secondary because the O line gives enough time, and I think Duke relies too heavily on their D-line to get a pass rush, I they have an experienced secondary, but they're not that strong there, I guess. So I have it as Notre Dame 42, Duke 7. I think it's going to be a blowout, so I guess under, and I think the reason for the under for those more folks on betting out there is Tommy Reese has come out recently and saying how much he wants to establish the run with this Notre Dame team. I think the offensive line after last year where they weren't able to run the ball super well against Duke, they're going to be challenged to move those guys off the ball. These are guys, you return all five, they know how to play with each other. They can play off each other. Duke's replacing both defensive tackles from last year while keeping their ends. And I think they'll be able to move the ball at the middle. And just I think because of Notre Dame chewing the clock by running the ball, that they won't get that many opportunities to score. So I have forty-two-seven as my score. So Notre Dame does cover the spread, but the under hits. All right. And Chris so, returns the kick for a touchdown.
1: Sounds like we got a sounds like we had an agreement between Ian and Dono here, and I'll be I'll be the dissenter yeah. uh, going track. going on the over. Yeah, we'll keep we'll keep track here all season long. We'll see we'll see how everybody does. All right.
0: So do you guys want to move on through this? This is our season preview episode. We're not going to go in-depth for every game on the schedule. Obviously, you guys, we respect your time, all <laughs> 750,000 of you out there. Um, so, real quick schedule. Duke, South Florida, Wake Forest, Florida State, Louisville, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Boston College, Carolina, Syracuse, possible ACC championship game.
1: How about – I? It, do you want to go, so we're not going to go in depth onto each one of these games right yeah, now we'll do it quick a week by week for every game I can start if you
0: guys want to just take a peek at the schedule I know rattled it off pretty fast but I'm gonna give my win loss predictions just for the schedule
1: do you guys do you guys all want to just give a quick knee-jerk, Donald throws out a name and we all go around a circle and give a give a winner loss oh yeah I'm, I'm down to do that I agree as well yeah
2: all right
0: so Duke. We all have that as a win. Yep. when South Florida projected last in the American, but no, they had Charles Weiss Jr. Win.
2: Win. 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 Wake Forest. Sam Harmon can put up points, but I don't. I, it's a win for me. That's, that's, that's a win. Team. Also
1: a win.
0: All right. Now we get this three-game stretch is, I think, going to make or break a lot of the season, especially for us fans. Florida State at home.
2: I – I personally like yes, Jimbo. Or is Jimbo at Texas a and M? Yeah. Fucked up. So it's Mike Norvell there, right? Yeah.
0: Almost lost his players in the offseason a few times. Heard of some um,
2: I'm sorry, I'm writing down where I fuck up. I'm actually I'm writing down where I fuck up or where we all fucked up so it's easier to edit, Donna. Okay. Um all right, so I'm gonna say start now. New coach. They had some troubles in the off season. Yes, they have talent. Haven't been able to da- ta- develop the talent recently. We thought they might be in trouble last year. We absolutely rolled them. I, I just don't. I don't think. I don't think Florida State's an issue at all. Um, I think that's a win for me.
0: I agree. That's a win for me. I think that's a game. You know, the first three games are really cupcakes. So this will be the first one to get up to. I think it's a night game at Notre Dame Stadium. It might be. I think, I it, think, think it is.
1: I think it's a seven thirty kick as well.
0: Yeah, players will get up for that. You know, they're coming off three cupcakes. That's a win for me. Um, Twenty
1: fourteen in their heads. I'm going with a win there too. I think that this. I think people are expecting this. Uh, it, by the way, it is a seven thirty kick. Uh, you're right, Donna. Um, I, I think people are expecting this team to be a little bit better than they actually are. Um, I guess. You know, we'll 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 see if this team is is a contender or a pretender. Uh, I don't see them as a contender. I see them as a pretender. I think they'll fall off pretty pretty quickly, and and I'll I'll be taking the Irish pretty soundly in that in that Florida State game. Yep. All right. Dark Horse picked the ACC. They gave the Irish some
0: trouble last year. Louisville.
2: Yeah. Um. You got Juwan Pass coming back at at quarterback. Um. I see this more looking like a game where it's it's probably going to be a little bit of a shootout, and I just don't think. I don't think Louisville's gonna be able to keep up with them. Dude they, scary. that dude's
0: scary. That scary. I mean, yeah.
2: he, he, he's scary.
0: Um, so one ninety bench is three eighty. He's nuts.
2: I, I, I don't. I don't see this as a problem for the Irish, especially at home. Not that home matters with the crowd and all, but just from a comfort level, I just don't think that Notre Dame should struggle as much as they might be expected to. Mm-hmm. Tom,
1: uh, I think that. This I think this team is for real. Um, for one, I think that Louisville will be a good team and will be a problem for for a lot of the ACC. I do not see them. I don't do not foresee them being an issue uh, for Notre Dame. I think the, I think the game will be tighter than uh, than a lot of other games will be. Um, and I think I'd say they're probably either second or third as far as difficulty uh, on this schedule, um, if you exclude a, whole, a, a hopeful ACC championship. Um, but with yeah, you know, with that said, I'm still taking the Irish, but. Mindful of Mikhail Cunningham, two Tutu Atwell and and, and Hawkins. Um, those guys can play uh, for the Cards. They're so.
2: They lost. They lost their big boy though, Tommy. They lost Mackie Beckman. They did to the New
1: York to New York Jets, if I'm not mistaken.
0: taking Comical pictures next to small Jets receivers. Now
1: they are. They are quite comical.
0: Yeah. All right. From there, next game on the road, Pittsburgh. So, Land-
2: Donna, you, real quick, you said win for Louisville.
0: I said win. I think. I think. I think. I I agree that it is a shootout. I don't think Louisville has the horses on defense. I think Notre Dame's offensive line. I think we are eventually able to run them ball down their throats and kind of just knock them out. I think we have a knockout punch. One of those you know, fourteen play eighty five yard drives when we're up three in the fourth quarter. I think it'll be a battle to the fourth quarter. But we would have one of those knockout drives where we go fourteen for eighty-five and like seven twenty. Yeah.
2: But but just a uh, just just a game to keep an eye on for sure. The label it's game definitely a game. It, that
0: game will be a battle. Yeah. All right, moving on. Holy shit! My Google just changed true. my Google Notre Dame football schedule, and it says Our Lady instead of Notre Dame for every game. This is actually preposterous. All right, so Our Lady at Pittsburgh.
2: I think this is a game that gives us trouble. I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be all that great of a team, but they're a team that just scares me in the sense of college football. I mean, they beat Miami a couple of years ago. They've, they've had some wins. They, I just think this is a team that scares me. I don't think we're going to lose. I'm going to put it down as a win, but this is – a game that scares me more than the UNC game or any other game or more than Louisville game. This is a game that scares me more than any other game on schedule. It uh, was scary um, more if there were fans in the stands for Pittsburgh. I don't know actually exactly how that's going to play out, but I think this is a, is a, a little bit of a trap game.
1: Uh, I agree. I think if it's in a different spot in the schedule, I, I'd call it a bona fide trap game. I don't I just think uh, you're still two weeks out from Clemson, so I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not overly uh, overly concerned about the trap, trap game piece of what I am concerned about is that Notre Dame has historically, sh- especially recent history has not played all that well in Heinz field, um, going to pit. And, uh, I don't know that they, they, like Ian said, they've been, they've been a giant slayer in the past. They really have. Um, and that's, and that's, and that's a scary, that's a scary thing for your, for one of your opponents for, for, for a team that's very good for one of your opponents to be, uh, to be known as that it, is, is slightly scary. Uh, I do think that Notre Dame still wins this football game. Um, it would be. I'd be interested to see the week before Halloween, see if any any weather plays a difference in Pittsburgh. Um, but I also would kind of expect this. Uh, I don't know what the over under is going to be set at, uh, and I usually don't root for the under, but I can see that under being very, 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 very appetizing. Um, just knowing the way these two teams have played off have faced off in the past, mm-hmm. I, I could see this game being
0: close. But one of the reasons I believe Pitt had one of their best defensive tackles, Jalen Twyman. Opt-out of the season. He was a guy that probably could have given Notre Dame trouble. But just like Louisville, I Louisville doesn't have the horses on defense. I don't think Pitt has the horses on offense. I remember the, the guy French two years ago that had two F's in his name. That pissed me off, rubbed me the wrong way. Random fact. But I don't think Pitt has the horses to really score enough on Notre Dame to stay in this. I think Notre Dame wins this game by – 17. I think it's pretty easy. All right. Then after Pitt, we have Georgia Tech trying to instill the trip or move from the triple option to Jeff Collins' new offense.
2: Yeah. Now that's going to be a long process for them. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a process.
1: Yeah. Uh, a process. I, I, you I, I,
2: I we don't have to say much more.
1: Yeah. They, they're, hey. they're a new process. Hey, they're bringing back—they're bringing back the most experienced college football this year. Yeah. Um, sure, but like that experience is ten, triple friend. That and that and that's exactly why my answer doesn't change. Notre Dame absolutely shit pumps for yeah, like, SEC on the road in, in Atlanta. Kramer in the eye and says,
0: "I will beat you one on
2: one." I mean, grab okay. some, grab some Chick Fil A on the way back and just come on home back to South Bend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Now we move to the marquee matchup of the year. The most likely the national championship favorites led by the golden boy, Trevor Lawrence. And in my opinion, the scariest player in the country. Every time he touches the football, Travis Etienne, the Clemson Tigers come to South Bend for a night game on November 7th. What do you guys think? We will discuss this probably ad nauseum the rest of the season. So let's try to keep it at least short, but what do you guys think? Night game, Notre Dame Stadium, November 7th.
2: I would feel a lot differently if this was a normal year. I think we'd have – I I wish we could get 86,000 screaming Irish fans in there to really give them some trouble. Yep. I don't – you can hear the disappointment in my voice. I'm not – this is a loss for me.
0: I have it a loss as well. I just think that there's too many weapons. I think Notre Dame, Ian Book especially, this is a game where he needs to be a dude. He needs to not make mistakes. He's been a victim. We saw this at Georgia when Komet and Claypool weren't open. He wasn't looking to his second or third options. This is a game where Clemson has the dudes to take away the people that Notre Dame usually has an advantage with, the Tommy Trembles of the world, you know, the entire tight end room. If Kevin Austin is probably going to be back for this game, I think if he comes back and if he shows that he's a playmaker, it changes things, especially on the outside. But, you know, at some point it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's, and Clemson, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Huh. I mean, they probably have the Heisman winner and Doak Walker winner preseason. So they have the Jimmys and Joes all over it. I just don't think – I think the Irish play it close. I don't think they get it done.
1: Um, I'm going to say this. I think that Etienne and – Etienne's difference in the game. I think he's an absolute handful. Um, I think he's probably the reason the Clemson wins. Uh, but I think another important matchup to watch – um, another important matchup to watch that we saw get absolutely exposed uh, in in the playoff, uh, which I think is could potentially be exposed again depending on what the receiving core looks like for Clemson, uh, is the wide receiver and cornerback matchup. Uh, we know we know how accurate Trevor Lawrence is. Uh, if our corners don't play well, yeah, it, it could be a long night. Uh, so I'm going to take I'm going to take Clemson reluctantly. But with that said, it's very difficult to beat the team twice in the same year. So, uh, keep for, that not. Yeah, yeah. Bang. I, bang. And that, right. that's, that's, where, that's where it takes it for me.
0: Next it's the Phil Dracovic Bowl. Yeah,
2: awesome Phil Bowl. Sorry, Phil um Bowl. Sorry, Phil. Hard. Sorry, Phil. You had chances in every single game, and he literally just decided to throw it 60 yards downfield and overshoot a receiver by 20 yards each time. Have fun at Boston College. That's W any year. That's W any year.
0: Yeah, apparently Kyle Hamilton was just his biggest arch nemesis in practice. That's how he you know, made a name for himself was picking off Phil Jarkovic. Thank you, Phil. That's a favorite. I, I think Kyle Hamilton gets at least two INTs this game. And
1: that'd be great. That'd be awesome. See you, Phil. Uh, I, I, the, the Irish come to visit me and be in town um, and absolutely roll. The Eagles head back to South Bend uh, to, to regroup for, for uh, another pretty important game.
0: Yep. Next game, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, late November.
2: Great. Overrated. Overrated. Oh, is this oh, Black Friday? Overrated. Overrated. Yeah, and I'll be shocked. I
0: am I am I heard takes this week. UNC is so overrated. overrated. they
2: lost.
0: Everyone's just banking on them, you know, they lost a bunch of close games. Like they'll be back. Well, there's a reason they lost those close games. Like they're Dudes, like, weren't that good. I think Sam Howell is a good quarterback. I don't think he's. I don't think he's better than the book. I just don't. I don't, don't.
2: Think, no. I don't think he's. I don't think, think he's, I he's enough. enough. They're, they're 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 the Mac Brown factor. Is yeah, Mac is Brown
0: won in forty years when he had a generational
2: talent at quarterback.
0: Yeah, Sam Howell's not Vince Young. No, Sorry.
2: Sam Howell's not Vince Young, and like, yes, he's done like. He's done good things for North Carolina, I guess, since Larry Fedora left. But like, overrated. Oh, they, if they, if there was if the Big Ten and Pac twelve were playing, UNC wouldn't even see the light of day when it comes. I don't to. think
0: they have the. They have good skill guys too, but I don't think they have it in the trenches, which is
1: Notre Dame's strength this year. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, looking, uh, that's a dub. Uh, I'm
0: dub. looking
1: forward. I'm looking forward to the front four having a big day, big night in Chapel Hill. Uh, how's not enough, and Mac Brown's a good recruiter, but uh, remains to be seen with what he's got right now. Uh, Irish go to travel home, pick up a win.
0: Yep, and finally, Syracuse. There might not be any fans, Notre Dame students will be home for a semester. Probably might be a little weird for the players. I think this is the first December home game in many many years at Notre Dame Stadium. Notre Dame will play Syracuse, it's gonna be cold. Year. It's going to be cold. It's going to be fuck you cold.
1: Yeah, it will be fuck you cold. Bad, but uh,
2: Dino Babers, good guy, exciting guy. Not not a problem. I, I really see. Um, and I, I'm coming off a lot of. This, I just the ACC teams that we faced our schedule have never really give us that much of a road bump. Um, I think we just match up well with a lot of these teams, and and I, I think we just get the job done. Um, but I will say. That Clemson game being the date that it's at November seventh, um, it goes back to how Brian Kelly Brian Kelly's teams perform in November. If that is a loss, we don't know. If that is a loss, I would love to see us bounce back and, and come back the next week and the next week after that, and the next week after that with some some motivation, some fire, to get some wins.
0: All right, I think let's cap it at the regular season for now. I don't want to go ahead and predict anything, but I think we all predict that the Irish make the ACC championship game at nine and one. We all predict a loss to Clemson for various reasons. But I'd say that's
1: a good year, but it's not great. No, I think we know what, what, what we think we know. What makes great? Yeah. Um, Gotta beat, Got beat
0: them once. Gotta beat them once. Got to be him at least once. All right. Let's transition. We have some fun prop bets that we came up with. Just Take this thing home. Three of us. Take this thing home. Thank you guys for hanging in here, all 750,000 of you. All right. We're all seven of you. Yeah, we're all seven of you. That's fine, too. All right. Will you have a pitcher at CJ's by the end of 2020.
2: No.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. I have plans to come in South Bend no matter what. I know I'm not allowed in the stadium for Clemson game, but I think I'm only doing my duty to that community. Even if I go in, stop in, drink a pitcher, make my way to Chicago somehow. I'm going to stop in there and have a picture in the year twenty twenty.
1: if if bug if Bugs pouring, I'm buying.
0: <laughs> if Jay's pouring, I'm just drinking and he's <laughs> stumbling in there. Okay. Yeah.
2: So what what night of the week do you think that's gonna be? You think it's gonna be Thursday?
0: It'll be a Thursday, I think. I think I'll be able to maybe just pull up my laptop and try to work from wherever I'm at that Friday morning. There are, there
2: are there are positives to our current situation and that might
0: be one of them. Yeah. yeah I, I agree office through 2021 so. All right. What's our next one? All right. This for each of us over under 12.5 beers for the game on Saturday.
2: I have a I have a personal personal hard under because I have a uh, I have to I have to coach some children at some point <laughs> um so i'm gonna i'm gonna set my personal over under at lower than that um sorry to uh be a damper like that but if uh if if, if other situations were not like that i would probably still take the under considering i'm being, I'm being pretty locked in just to the new like week one i just kind of want to see how this team works yeah
1: um, are we saying the entirety of Saturday, or just are, just during the game and the pregame from on the, Saturday?
0: From the time you wake up until the end of the game, how about that?
1: Uh, okay, I'm still going to go under, given that. So about 5 PM, you're going under. Yeah, we're hosting a we're hosting a game watch here for the for the for the, for the, for the ND Boston crew. Um, kind of want to make sure everything goes smoothly for our, for our first event in our new apartment. So uh, I think I'm going to go under, but uh, I'm
2: confident that was not the answer Donna was looking for.
1: No, I don't think
0: so either. But I. I, 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 I yeah. Um, I'm going to take the over. <laughs> I imagine my Saturday. So I'm in Cincinnati right now, still in my mom's basement. Shout out to my mom. But I'll be driving up should probably 12 hours from the time we're recording this up to Chicago. Going to be, because, you know, I love Notre Dame football, would rather watch it with my friends than with my mom who just found out we were playing Duke earlier today. <laughs> um, and when you're surrounded by people, there's a lot of energy that comes with that. And then I'm a person that you know takes in that energy, channels it. I think by the time, heck, I guess, yeah, by the time 4.30 Central rolls around, I think I will be at least 13 beers deep. Thirteen standard drinks, I guess. Uh, we'll take you over.
1: <laughs> Proud, of you. Right. Proud of you. Proud uh, of you. that was never in doubt. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that, was, yeah. Uh,
2: that was a prop for two of us. It was like if, given. If I had a more, if I had a more to lock
1: this, one, I want to, I want so to the cover. I think I'll be a liar.
0: But um, all right. Do you guys have anything else? Any final things?
1: Uh, uh,
2: I would would like to say, um, I'm excited. I'm excited for doing this with you guys. Uh, I'm excited for the season. I'm excited about football. And I I do think this team being in the ACC, I don't think I want it to be a permanent thing, but this opportunity to be in the ACC to be in a conference for one year is a fun, fun opportunity. And I'm, I'm
1: happy with it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm just, uh, I I'm excited. We're still, we're still, we still taking this on, um, even, even in a in a COVID season here. Um, I, I'm really excited to get Notre Dame football back. Uh, I think that's that's kind of like the one thing I've been missing so far uh, this fall. Um, and I, I'm excited that we're going to get to talk about it every week. Um, I'm glad, you know, whether you, whether whether we have. Like Dono said, seven hundred and fifty thousand listeners or seven listeners. I don't care. I'm excited to get to talk to you guys weekly about what, what we saw last week and what we're gonna what we hope to see in, in the coming week. This is gonna be a boatload of fun. I'm excited to do this with you guys. Yep. I
0: agree with everything you guys said. And, you know, obviously we're not trying to make it big at ESPN by doing this. We're doing this for fun. That's how this thing came about because we all love Notre Dame football. We love to talk about it. We all know, you know, well, maybe a little bit more than the average fan, but we're not experts. We just like to shoot the shit and talk Notre Dame football. And that's what we're here for. We're lucky enough. Notre Dame, if you drew a giant circle around Notre Dame and looked at the radius of which teams are playing college football and which ones aren't, and Notre Dame, they're in the heart of Mac country, heart of Big Ten country they're going to be the only ones really suiting up on Saturdays. And as nerd Dame fans, we're so lucky to have that. And as fans, you know, I'm so pumped that, you know, maybe we're not going to be able to go to our first game as alumni until maybe a bowl game, probably not till 2021. But we get this opportunity to, you know, at least watch them play. And I think that means a lot. You know, I think the kids have worked so hard for it. And, you know, they deserve every opportunity they're going to get. And we hope that, you know, if you're still listening at this point, that, you know, we brighten up. We're probably in the release probably every Thursday throughout the season. Give a little recap, game before, preview of the game coming up. Anything that's going on in the news regarding Notre Dame. But, I don't know, stick with us should be a fun ride.
1: Yes sir. yes sir. All right, guys. We'll uh we'll regroup, we'll regroup next Thursday to talk about a win